Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's episode is r slash malicious compliance. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Back when I was in college, I lived in a two bedroom apartment with a nice German student. He was a nice guy and he would often have his friends over. I didn't mind it at all because I just moved to the area and needed new friends anyways. Our landlady though, she was a nightmare. She was this small grumpy lady who would complain over the smallest things. She doesn't live with us, but tries to control everything. The color of our sheets, the scent of candles that we light, where we put our stuff, etc. Needless to say, we hated her. We pay for our electricity and water, so it doesn't matter if we have our friends and family stay over once in a while because whatever they consume more of, we'll foot the bill ourselves anyways. My sister visits me once a month for one night, just whenever she's in town. One day, my landlord found out and got so mad she wanted to call the cops on us for not respecting the rule of guests cannot spend the night at her property. The only reason she does this is because she feels if a guest would stay a night, they should have to pay the full rent for the month. The month. But cue malicious compliance. When one of my German roommate's friends was laid off from his main job, he was left homeless with only a graveshift part-time job. He asked if he could stay with us for about a week or two. I told him I didn't mind, but my landlady might mind. They told me not to worry. And she was fuming when she found out, which happened the day after he decided to stay with us because she checks on us unannounced every other day and has security cameras outside our door. She threatened to call the cops on us again, and all my roommate said was, But you told us explicitly no one can spend the night at our property. He's never here at night because he's working, so there's no rule broken here. She she had nothing to say and left. We could hear her screaming from inside her car that was parked right outside. Then, down in the comments, we had this bizarre contribution from Bailey the Nerd. Man, I know what you mean about crazy landladies. My first landlady was a reverend, she wasn't, who asked me if I was into Satanism before I moved in. That should have been a red flag, but rent wasn't normally that cheap where I was moving. Here are some tidbits about my time with her. 1. She was extremely racist. Didn't like Asians, Mexicans, or Blacks. She was, herself, Black. 2. She accused me of trying to make her son's plane crash with voodoo because I was stupid enough to ask her who was the person in the picture nailed up outside my bedroom. 3. She did a two-hour sermon in her living room every day. This was the only time it was safe to leave your room as she wouldn't stop for anything but would glare at you the entire time you walked by. 4. She accused me of Satanist, Feng Shui, Buddha stuff on night one because of how I arranged my groceries in the pantry. Haha, fun times. I hope never to see Mad Margaret ever again. This lady thinks that OP is a Satanist because of how he arranged his groceries? Like, what does she think's gonna happen? Someone's gonna accidentally put their box of cereal in the perfect spot, which opens a gate to hell and summons a demon into our mortal realm? Our next Reddit post is from Smack Ace. In 2018, I lived in Southern California while I was finishing up graduate school. Uber was more popular than ever, and given how spread out California is in general, it was an easy side hustle to shuttle people back and forth. However, I only did it for a little while because I'm not really the most patient person and eventually got tired of people's BS and attitudes. One of the common tactics for customers looking to screw a driver was to cancel their rides in the middle of the trip to avoid paying the fare. 
They would often say how they did it accidentally and then ask me if I could just finish the trip since we're basically there anyway. This happened to me three times. The first two times I pulled over and told them to get out of my car, which they complied. Albeit, they called me several names and threatened to kill me. The third time is the subject of this post. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday when I decided to log on and catch some fares. Most people go into the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays and are looking to get rides home between 4 to 5 p.m. to beat the traffic. At this point, I should mention that I was living in San Diego. If you know the area, you know that many people work in the city and live in the outer areas. Chula Vista, Imperial Beach, Escondido, Pacific Beach, because it's cheaper. The day of the event, oh yes, it was an event, lol. I picked up a middle-aged woman who was a student at the local community college downtown. Although she was in community college, I could tell she had money by the way she dressed and where she was going, La Jolla. She gets in my car and starts to make a conversation with me. I'm driving through town, and as I'm about to get on the highway, I hear the cancellation ding. I pull over to a parking lot and let her know that she canceled the ride, and I couldn't drive her until she rebooked it. She gave me the, it was an accident, excuse. I told her not a problem, and to just rebook the route. Well, at this point, all those people I told you about earlier had just gotten off work, and we were in what we call the power hour of maximum surge pricing. La Jolla is like 25 to 40 minutes from downtown San Diego depending on traffic. I looked and the trip would have cost her 70 bucks. She told me she wasn't going to pay that. I said fine and asked that she exit my vehicle. She refused and told me to take her home like I was her chauffeur. At this point I was pissed and wouldn't have done it even if she gave me $100 cash. I didn't really need the money. I asked her politely again. She refused. I had never really gotten to this point before. The other two people were guys, and I would have no qualms about yanking their butts out by force and beating them in the middle of the highway. However, that wouldn't have been a good look in this situation. I thought about going to the police given that we were three blocks from the headquarters, but I wanted her to feel the burn. Cue malicious compliance. I asked if she wanted a free ride. She suddenly perked up and said, I knew you'd come around. You're such a nice guy. I said buckle up and we got on Interstate 5. Here's the part where I tell you that San Diego is 16 miles from the Mexican border. I also keep my passport in my glove compartment because I did volunteer work in Rosarito every so often. We were about 4 minutes into the ride when she asked where we were going. I turned around and told her, I'm going to Tijuana and I'm glad you could join me. I hope you brought your passport. At first, she didn't think I was serious, but by exit four, she started to panic. I told her she was welcome to get out any time, but she needed to make a decision soon because after we passed exit one, there was no turning back. I also told her that I wasn't taking her back. Well, she got the message and pleaded for me to pull over. I pulled over and dropped her off at the outlet mall in San Ysidro at the border. Just for giggles, I checked the Uber rate from the mall to La Jolla and the cheapest rate was $87 for a pool ride. I didn't make any money that night, but that was the richest experience I had while being a rideshare driver. I stopped about one month later and sold my car. (laughs) OP, this lady didn't want to pay you so you escalated to international kidnapping? Hats off OP, that takes guts. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Our next Reddit post is from Vasco. In 2017, I signed a contract for my web shop with our national mail carrier to deliver my parcels. The more parcels, the better rates you get. In my league, they had a 1,000, 2,000, or 5,000 parcel target contract. 
I went with the 2K one. At the end of year one, there would be an evaluation, and they said they would be very flexible and reasonable because their priority is to help grow my business. I actually had that in writing. For any parcel I'd sent through them beyond the 2K target, I'd get a 50% refund of the difference between the 2K and 5K rate. That is, at the 2K rate, it was 3.5 euros per parcel, and for the 5K rate, it was 3 euros per parcel. So they would refund me 25 euro cents back for each parcel above my 2K goal. On the other hand, for each parcel I was short at the end of the year of the 2K target, they would charge me double the difference between the 2K and the 5K rate, on top of a flat rate penalty fee. So basically, 1 euro per parcel I was short in the above example, plus the penalty. The end of year one of my contracts is two weeks away, and I'm sitting at 1,850 parcels. Thinking that 92.5% of my target is pretty good for year one, I gave them a call to talk about the extra charges and the penalty, and see if I could get the 5k rate for the next year as I was seeing and expecting strong growth. In the end, it was their priority to help grow my business, and they were very flexible and reasonable. No, sir. They were dead set on me paying the penalty. Charge me extra for the 150 parcels, and on top of that, they would set me back to the more expensive 1k target rate for the next year. I tried to escalate it, but to no avail. So much for helping growing my business and being very flexible and reasonable. In comes the malicious compliance. I did the math, and paying the penalty plus extra charges was nearly double of what it would cost me to reach my target if I would just pay for 150 extra parcels out of my own pocket. I bought 150 bubble wrap envelopes dirt cheap, printed 150 stickers with my own address, put those on each envelope, drove to the mail office, and dropped off 150 empty envelopes. Next morning, the mailman arrives at my door with a grin on his face. He's a cool guy and a stash of envelopes, wondering WTF I'm up to. Later that day, I called to let them know that I reached my target and that I would not renew my contract. I signed with a competitor for about the same price per parcel, no strings attached, and did 17,000 parcels in year two, which amounts to 50,000 euros in business they missed out on. OP, instead of sending yourself 150 letters, what you should have done was send 150 letters to the mail office saying you would like to end your contract. I think that would have gotten the message across much more clearly. Our next Reddit post is from Redonculus. So, about two months ago, my neighbor moved out. Now, we weren't hangout level friends, but we were cordial with each other. We had an agreement that if the other wasn't home when a package came, we'd go grab it and just give it to the other when they got home, as my neighborhood is littered with porch pirates. So, a month ago, a new neighbor moves in. He has a package arrive. He's not home. I grab the package, figuring I'd try to make the same arrangement with him. An hour later or so, he pulls in his driveway, and I come out to meet him with his package. I hand him the package, and I give him the rundown about package thieves in the area. He loses his cool and tells me that, I don't need your effing help. Mind your own business. Leave me the eff alone. And storms off into his house. Okay, cool. Fast forward to yesterday. I'm outside doing honeydews. Flowers, yard, blah, blah, blah. Neighbor isn't home. Amazon guy comes and drops off a package on dude's doorstep. Cue malicious compliance. Not five minutes after the Amazon guy leaves, here comes a porch pirate, grabs the package, and just starts casually walking back to the sidewalk. Just as the thief makes the sidewalk, the douche pulls into his driveway. The thief takes off running. He gets out of his car and starts screaming at me. I told him, nah dude, I believe you told me you didn't need my help and mind my own business, so that's what I did. The guy gets all pissed and runs into his house. You could hear him breaking stuff. Hilarious. 
Our next Reddit post is from It's a Phoebe. So this is happening at this moment in time, so the full fallout isn't here yet. My soon-to-be ex-husband filed for divorce after I finally got the balls to move out after he started physically abusing me. No big deal, I was planning on filing anyways. The cast of this story is Matt, who's OP's husband, Jen, OP's attorney, and Steve, OP's husband's attorney. I found a great attorney, Jen, who took my case pro bono. Since we were living together all of 2019 and I moved out in 2020, Jen told Steve she felt that Matt and I should split tax returns 50-50. She also mentioned that since he made significantly more than I did, he should pay $500 to Jen as my attorney fees. Well, my ex did not like this. He called me. Hey, so since I have to pay $500 of your lawyer fees, I'm taking that from your tax return check. That's not how this works. I have nothing to do with her requesting lawyer fees. And even if I did, you'd be forced to pay that $500 back to me when we go to court. Well, we had a deal. No, we didn't. That you'd talk to your lawyer about the fees and you didn't. I didn't agree with that. I only agreed to half the tax return and all my stuff before the marriage coming with me. (sighs) Matt sighs loudly. I can tell that he's getting angry. Look, can I come get my check? I have bills I gotta pay and my work is shut down. Will you leave it under the doormat? No. I will hand it to you when you get here. No thanks. I'd rather not have to see you. Please leave a check for half of the tax return under the doormat. Why do you have to make things so difficult? Just leave me the F alone. And with that, he hung up. Leave him the F alone. Got it. I emailed Jen to make sure it was okay to block his number on my phone. She said as long as he has an email he can use to communicate with me, I could. So I sent, if you need to contact me, please do so with this email and include both attorneys. And then I blocked his number. The thing is, Matt's lawyer, Steve, did not take his case pro bono. So every single time my attorney and his attorney email, half an hour of time gets added to his bill, since the minimum pay is 30 minutes. All because he decided to act like a child. Our next Reddit post is from Angel. My family owned a couple of beach stores on a beach that sold t-shirts, towels, and bikinis. The bikinis were a big seller, and we decided to mark them down for the week from 40 bucks to 25 bucks. I put a sign up that showed the sale price, and roughly an hour later a little kid knocked the sign down. Before I could replace it, a big, sweaty, intimidating gentleman comes up to me and slams his hands on the counter. Yo, my girl wants these two bikinis and you're going to give me a deal or I take my business elsewhere. I was gonna tell him about the sale, but once he demanded a deal and he tried to intimidate me with his size and slamming on the counter, I decided against it. I'll give you two for 60 bucks. Done. Completed the sale, and as the man was leaving, I put the sale sign back up. Down in the comments, we have this story from Night Ray. I actually went on vacation to Mexico with a couple of friends from college. First adult vacation for us. At the market, we check out tourist t-shirts. Now, at this outdoor market, there were no signs to indicate how much the t-shirts cost. When one of my... When one of my friends asked how much, he was quoted something like 240 pesos a shirt. My friend thought for a second and said... I'll give you 600 pesos for two. The vendor said sold and the transaction was completed. That vendor made a point to enthusiastically greet us whenever we visited that market for the rest of the week. That was r slash malicious compliance. And I don't know if you know this, but the most common way for people to discover new podcasts is through word of mouth. So if you have a friend or relative who you think would enjoy this podcast, then please tell them about it because it's the best thing you can do to support my podcast. 